Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very, very special guest, a really good friend of mine. I'm honored to have him on my podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast again, Mr. Luke Westman. Hi, Toby Morris. I'm you really sound pr- wonderful. Now we're recording. <laughs> so people don't know, we recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just learning as I go along, and I just realized that like one of the chords for my focus right was not in there. So that same day, I did Kevin Seconds for three hours, Luke Westman for two hours, and Pete's sick of it all, so I have to redo all those fucking ones. I'm just learning as I go along, so fuck off, everybody. You know what I'm saying. I'm getting as I go. So we're going to um, repeat ourselves, but we're getting old. We do that anyway now. But the good thing about it, I learned some things about Luke last time that I could bring up right off the jump. <laughs> Luke Westman was born in Tennessee on a hippie farm, and now Luke's going to take it from there. Um, you know what? Since I was born there, I don't know a lot about it, but from the stories I heard... Um, wait, so am I just kind of talking about my childhood now? Is yeah, that where we're at? Like, yeah, it's getting popping. Shit, man. Everybody wants to know the Luke Westman before the Luke Westman. <laughs> okay, so um, the farm in Tennessee was where I was... Uh, where I came in onto the planet, it was a hippie farm that was started by a real famous, um, I don't know if the guy was just like a famous hippie or what he was, this guy, Stephen Gaskin. And, um, he started this community in Tennessee, kind of an hour or two outside of Nashville in a place called Summertown, which is what, what my tattoo shop we'll is We'll get to that called. later. That's sick. <laughs> um, and it was a farm in a community. It was a community where they were trying to live organically, self-sustained and, um, it was just like a, a hot spot in the seventies. It was a bunch of hippies that took buses, school buses from San Francisco and went all the way to Tennessee and found this land and bought this property and started this organic community commune before it was cool to be organic. Yeah. So full self-sustainable solar panels, um, you know, living off of what they grew and all yeah. that stuff. So from, from what I hear, my parents had gotten kicked out of this farm. They were there with my older brother and, um, uh, they were too hippie for the hippies. They were no? too hippie for the hippies for real. Wow. I, what I heard was my dad um, thought it was too structured and it was too like organized and he didn't think it was free living enough. So they, he got kicked out for doing something and they went and like hitchhiked around. And then when my mom was fully pregnant with me, they were trying to figure out where to have me. Yeah. And um, the farm, this hippie place was famous for, um, uh, there was a famous midwife that was like the wife of Stephen Gaskin. Her name was Ina Mae Gaskin. And she was like, I think they call her like the mother of midwives. Like she was one of the OG midwives. Sick. So my mom really wanted to have me there. So they knocked on the door to go back in there and they let her, they let them back in and they put us up in, I guess, uh, or they put my folks up in like a little shack in the back of this big farm, no electricity, no running water. Damn. And I remember my mom saying she was so happy. She was like, I was just, everything I needed was there. Wow. And uh, one day I came out. She was going to the, the wash house, yeah. the main wash house, and didn't think she was ready to have a kid, but I just came out real quick in like 20 <laughs> minutes or something. <laughs> and uh, she um, she had me there. And then as soon as I was, I think, old enough and strong enough, my older brother, me, my mom and dad hitchhiked to California. Okay. And so I don't know how old I was. <clears throat> I was going to ask you that. Yeah. So they hitchhiked. Um, I'd love to hear the stories. I just didn't really grow up with my folks after mm-hmm. my early teens. So, so much of this stuff I still want to know. Um, so they hitchhiked to California and we kind of grew up in like, um, uh, like beach state beaches. They were living in like tents and uh, still doing like the hippie vibe, but yeah. on the California coast. So they kind of went up and down that. And, uh, I kind of was raised in a real creative environment. And uh, homeschooled as I was a kid, and I was going to ask you about like school. Did you go to regular school? So we went. I, I went to junior high, or no, I went to elementary school, and then right when my parents turned from being super gnarly hippies, they turned into Christians. 
So then they became like a really mix, uh, a hard mix of Christian and That's hippie. a crazy transition. Yeah. So they, my dad used to say they used to write Jesus on joints and smoke them. <laughs> Some weird shit like that. That's you know what I mean? crazy. So, but when they took prayer out of schools, mm. um, I don't know what year that was, but it was like, I think, I guess they used to pray in school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then um, they took, they took prayer You can ask out. me, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> and they took me and my brother out of school. It was Garrison in, uh, I think it was in Oceanside, Garrison Gators. Um, took us out, homeschooled us for a few years, and then uh, put me back in junior high to like a super ghetto school, Jefferson Junior High, all black and Mexican. Wow. And uh, that's kind of where I started learning about life. And then shortly- It's kind of sheltered, like being a hippie traveling around probably. Yeah, I mean- Excluded from people. I mean, we were running around and we didn't we, we didn't really have like, definitely didn't have like a traditional upbringing, you know? Mm-hmm. But- um. We were running around in the streets and stuff, and then my parents ended up leaving when I was like 14. They took off and uh, left me there, and my older brother was already kind of doing his whole, his own thing. He was two years older and was yeah. into gangs and drugs and just kind of had his own life. And um, yeah, my parents took off, and uh, I ended up living with my best friend, Brian. What up, Brian? Shout out to Brian. <laughs> Shout out Brian Talbert. Uh, How'd him. you guys meet? We met, so when I got back into school, I got back into junior high. I got back into high school and um, my freshman year, he was in a class with me and we just hit it off, you know, kind of like when you and I met, yeah, you know, just awesome. kindred spirits. Um, I was a real quiet kid and he was a real loud dude. And it was just like that balance, you know, kind of like with you and I, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean though? Like yeah. you kind of tend to get along better when there's a nice balance. Totally. Um, so uh, Brian and I met, he, um, he took me in, him and his mom took me in. He was like, you're living with me and my mom. And so set up some bunk beds in his little apartment. And, uh, this was, God, I think I was 16. Yeah. So we just kind of took care of each other from then on for years, you know, um, luckily got really into surfing, surfing together. Him and I would find our way to the beach and just stay there all day. And, um, what about skateboarding? Skateboarding. I mean, we started skateboarding always around the beach and I was more, more in the water, but yeah. we'd always have like boards, street skating. Never really got into ramp stuff. A little bit of like quarter pipe, a little bit of launch ramp. Yeah, I used to love you jump know? ramps were sick. Yeah. I mean, Christian Asoy was big back then. Hell yeah. I mean, he's still big now, OG, but. Shout out to Christian. Um, we were like looking up to him and emulating and trying to do big Christ airs off launch ramps, sick. you know, and stuff Rocket like that. Rocket airs and shit. Yeah. yeah. But it never stuck with me. I kind of got more into getting in the water. You know, it was well, like I skated a, with you before at the Van Skate Park when you fell down. That was fun. <laughs> is that when I bru- I don't know if you were there when I bruised my heel for like six months. No, that was after, but I did skate with you before in a bowl. And I was with Shark Dog. Do you know Shark Dog from New York? Yeah, yeah. Shredder sick, too, right? Sick, yeah. sick skater. Like a lawyer by day and a That's right. shredder fully tattooed badass by <laughs> night. And by Fridays, fuck, fuck yeah, Friday. Shout out. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little bit of skateboarding throughout you know, if you grow up in Cali, I feel like you're kind of like you, you get to. a skateboard and a surfboard and then like maybe a gun and a shank. And it's like, which one are you going to use? <laughs> it's true. So I used all three, you know, yeah, or all that's, four. That's amazing. So yeah, skating was, uh, do you have a favorite trick back then? No, man, I still do the same tricks I did back then. I could still do like 720s on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, a 360 thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, heel flipping and kick flipping that, and one foot, one sick. foot ollies. Like, I mean, come on, man. This is, I wasn't doing badass stuff, man. Yeah. A little bit of rails, a little bit of stairs. What about surfing? You good at surfing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started off bodyboarding, just kind of getting to know the ocean and then got really into, um, longboarding just being a bigger guy so spent tons of i mean i used to surf twice a day yeah i mean when i was younger i had i was sponsored by wetsuit companies and was like 
Awesome. I, uh, been on the same surf team with Kelly Slater, the shitty shoe company. No, I shouldn't say shitty, but the shoe company, Pure Juice Shoes. Um, but yeah, cut my chops in the ocean, you know? Yeah. And uh, spent a lot of time surfing. It kept me out of a lot of trouble. I'm sure, man. Probably kept me out of straight out of gang life. I agree. Um, not that it was like right there, but I mean, it was all around me in Oceanside. Plus your brother was involved, so, you know. Yeah. Even at your brother sometimes. Yeah, he was you know, Deep Valley Lokes, bunch of crazy white dudes. <laughs> and then I used to play basketball with all the like, man, the Crips that were in my neighborhood, Deep Valley Crips. And then they got in a fight, big fights with my older brother and all his crew. Damn. And I used to kind of play bas- street basketball with all the young, like young brothers of all the gangs. So it was just like a, a wild time to be a, like a skinny white kid. You have a good jump shot? I never was that good, man. I was always tall and I was shit. always tall and lanky. I was trying to hang like Larry Bird style and just do good like <laughs> three pointers and shots, but you might grab Larry Bird. And yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. I never. It never caught on with me, and I was lanky and uh, surfing kind of took over for a while. You know, yeah, that you kept still me surf, yeah, yeah, I still get out there even though I got a bum knee. But um, so the artwork and stuff too. So you learned. You learned we drawing as a kid. So, um, so as a kid. So, I mean, as a kid, I was kind of like on my own. So I was really just trying to work. I, I think I had like three jobs at a time. One time I had like, I worked at Macy's dress suit and tie. I worked construction <laughs> and I worked, at, I mean, my first jobs were like beekeeping. And that's right. I, that's, a, yeah, that's a great one. That right? was my first job. Um, that's such a random job. I don't think about beekeeping. I don't know who has a beekeeper. Anymore. Yeah. When I was like 13, I mean, I remember one, th- we, we found this tree and it looked like it had mistletoe on it. Right. We thought that's what mistletoe looked like. Yeah. We, we could only look it up in an encyclopedia. We couldn't just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> so we wrapped these, these plants up from this tree and we'd go to this apartment complex next to our thing and sell them for like three, four or five bucks around the holidays and say, we're selling this mistletoe. And I think people just felt bad for us and gave us money. So we, what was it you think? I don't know, man. It's probably some fucking weed, weed or something. <laughs> and it's probably just for like these poor kids. But we, that we were, that was like the beginning of the hustle, you know? Damn. So then we did, uh, then we did door hanger stuff. That was big, man. That kept me in shape. This guy would drop us off with a stack of door hangers for like advertisements for the neighborhood, okay. like different restaurants yeah. and little Caesars or whatever. And we just sprint down the street and just hang them on doors. Wow. And then the guy would pick us up at the bottom of the street and then we go to the next neighborhood or the next block. Those are my first two, those like first kind of jobs. Real jobs. And then beekeeping was dope, man. I was like making six bucks an hour cash. And I was eating honey and pollen all the time. Getting Super healthy. It is. We get bit too, or no? I was getting stung, getting stung yeah, a stung. minimum of three to five times a day. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> how old were you? Uh, I was probably fourteen or so at the time. Damn. But I was killing it. I was making such good money. But the guy who had the little beekeeping business that I was working for, he didn't have like nice gear. So I had this like hand-me-down suit, and he was a lot shorter than me. So we'd, I'd have like my socks kind of tucked up to make up the space and we duct tape yeah. like a gap, but bees would still creep their way in. And I was, I mean, <laughs> I think every kid should start that, like their work life it was something like that because it was kind of hell. Mm-hmm. I was stoked because I was making cash, but like yeah. you're out in this hot field of like grapefruit or orange because they had their hives in the, in those fields yeah. and they would kind of influence the taste of the honey. And um, you'd just be hot and you'd be sweating and you can't wipe your brow because you're in that big veil. Damn. And I'd be huffing those big full of honey, like um, uh, bee, what the fuck are they you called? You all sticky the and shit? I wasn't that sticky. I mean, yeah. gloves, yeah. bees everywhere. But um, then it'd stop for lunch and eat the fruit from the fruit, from the grove. It yeah. was dope, man. 
It's crazy that bees are like slowly going away now too. There's like a real problem with the bees. Yeah, I keep hearing little things. I mean, I never really like I saw a documentary about it. I never stayed part of like the bee community. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> You're not up on the bee culture. I, I'm not up on the bee culture, but I have been hearing stuff. You've heard some stuff yeah, about this. Yeah, the population is dying drastically. Yeah, it's wonder horrible. what that what, what, what's that caused by? And they're running out of honey too. And then actually, the, the honey that you're buying now is actually artificial honey. They're selling fake honey now. I'll get the name of the doc and I'll tell you about let, it. Let me ask you this: What's why? Um, of all things, is that something that vegans kind of like? Because that doesn't seem like you're you're. I mean, I guess it's like milk. You're yeah. not harming the animal. It's a product of but the, the animal, but, though. But, but to give milk, the animals are harmed. So but how, the bees, how about honey? I've always can be confused about the honey thing. A couple of my friends actually have bee farms and they're vegans. It's I mean I don't I'm, I'm I don't have enough information if the bee dies after it gives honey. Yeah, I'm I not sure. I have no facts on that. I actually never looked into it because I'm not I don't really fuck with honey that much. But you vegans I'm are not, a militant group. I'm not, but I'm like depends on the if it's in something. I, I don't know. I don't really think yeah. about it that crazy. But I've never been like. All about anti-honey. Do you know anything about the honey and honey and why why honey is bad? Like what it does to the bees? <laughs> come here. If you know something about it, come here. Excuse me, miss. My wife doesn't know anything about the honey. Come on, Moo. Um, okay. I Give us some insight. Don't eat it. But you don't, don't eat, eat it. Because I don't. Oh, you don't eat honey yet. Yeah. But what do you think? What do you think? What do you think it causes for the bees? Like, what do you know about that, Moon? I think. Come over the microphone, please, because I can't people complain about the sound of my fucking podcast. <laughs> I don't know Okay. Okay. We'll keep going anyway. Nice to see you, Moon. Um. So off, off after the bees. That was one of your jobs back then. You were 14 years old. You said. Yeah, making six bucks an hour cash was dope. You know, it was, it was like work hard, make money. It was a great example of like this is the product of working. It was perfect. Yeah. So, and I was kind of like getting ready to be on my own. And um, you were at, a beekeeper. Yeah, for a little bit when I was a kid. For. Are you mean to bees? Uh, no. Do they make them have sex? Um. You know, they plant the like queen bee in there. There's like. There's a little bit of like technical planning, but it's but not like, really mean. Not I was probably mean to them back then. So I was smoking them out of their hives, and then I'd like swat them. I was a terrible oh, that's kid. What that is, right? Yeah, it's the smoker. It kicks them out of the hive. Yeah, so there's man-made hives with slats, and the the bees bring the honey in there, and then they wax, co- they coat the the little slats. And you smoke it so you get them all out of there, so you can take take the full one out, and then put the new empty boxes in, and then you plant. I think the new queen bee in there, and then that attracts the new group or the same group back into the new hive. Like a gangbang. Yeah, but I don't think they're. It's not mean. They're whores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So after that, um, for honey, not money. After the honey, after the honey job, where's your next move? Ah oh, man, I mean my my life has been like it's it's a blur, man, and I I kind of maybe don't remember the details of a lot of it. I mean, I was doing so much. I was on my own. Um, no, no parental insight or yeah. guidance at all. Did they reach out to you during those years, your parents? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're great people. You know, they're loving people. They just were on their own trip. You know, yeah. they were chasing like a little bit of that hippie freedom and that hippie lifestyle throughout having kids. And, uh, it just kind of was, it's wild to me. And, um, not until maybe like five, six years ago, I went and saw shrink once. Okay. I went one day. What was it like? Because I need to go. It was too. cool, man. Okay. I wish I, I, I actually like to do it more. It's just nice to have someone with an unbiased opinion to kind of like you, bounce yeah. something off of. And yeah, um, I only went once, and uh, the lady fucking made me cry the whole time. Wow. It was a trip. It was really a trip. Uh, I couldn't even talk because she asked these questions and like was like hit some. She hit, hit some nerves hard yeah, and it fucked strings. me up. Yeah. And uh, she was just like, Triggered "It's okay for you to be mad about that." 
she's like that's not normal that's not cool like your Mm -hmm. parents just left you as a young teenager that's insane and kind of gave me like a new perspective on it not to be mad at them but to kind of just like maybe deal deal with it a little bit but it was yeah i was like so like tripped out by the experience of this um time with her this this therapist Mm -hmm. that i never never went back but uh the door moon please shut the door (laughs) it was it was just a trip you know to to think of it like that because i've always just been like these are the cards I was dealt. It's never like, woe is me or like, where were my folks? It was just like, boom, here we go. All yeah. right, cool. My, my brother, Brian, you know, my friend, it became my brother. It's like me and him, we're just handling it. And then he kind of, Brian, back to him, yeah. he kind of introduced me to like being straight edge and hardcore music and punk rock music, you know, exploited war zone, you guys, yeah, like awesome. just like uh, all kinds of music. Cause I've always kind of been um, into hip hop hit, yeah, you know, yeah. not like a, like I didn't study hip hop, but I grew up in hip hop and felt hip hop. You know totally. what I mean? Like the hustle that they were rapping about was much more on my level than I always kind of thought some of the punk rock was just like angry kids, you know, that were yeah. frustrated, which was probably true, right? Totally true. Yeah, like not to diss it, but like I so think. So is hip hop too, public enemy stuff. Like they were angry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I know what you're saying though. It's a, I mean, all a lot of music is like a release, right? Yeah. So I identified with the hip hop hustle and the struggle, and that motivated me more than where's my Pepsi or like yeah. suicidal or like yeah. in, in those different moments of my yeah, childhood, 100%. I just resonated more with uh Jaru, the damager yeah, and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like just different kinds of music that, yeah. that was speaking to me at the time. And I kind of just stuck with it my whole life, but back to Brian, I mean, he brought me to Soma where we saw so many good bands. We pile up in a little Dodge dart and there would be <laughs> seven of us, you know, just going to Soma from Oceanside, you know, like love that. 50 minute drive piled in there go in there and we were in the pit because we were young kids yeah. so there was like skinheads and big tough dudes and we 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 had such a great time there man so much camaraderie but that's where um i thank brian for bringing that into my world you know yeah and so Close many other things that. but like and i think i said it on the first time we did the podcast that we lost it was like when i heard h2o and he- heard the lyrics about the friendship the roots the yeah. family like all that shit just resonated so hard with awesome, me man. and Thank uh you. which is um which is i've you know i've just loved that that gave me a lot Message. of love for hardcore music yeah. through you you know thank you man and then and then you know pma a little bit later in life when we became good buds yeah that's really like a really i've always been positive you know i've mm-hmm. always been like half full kind of guy yeah so when i met you it kind of just like heightened heightened it up a little bit you know yeah yeah for sure and then to talk about to jump forward a little bit when you tattooed me yeah man which was awesome yeah um that was awesome i tattooed your finger first day i met you pretty much yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean really i think it was right yeah, i did a pma on his thumb and i fucked it up bad. it looks really cool i think i love it. what it is thank you man it wasn't about how good it was it's about putting so, it on him so we had a mutual friend yeah and through him he brought toby into a shop i was working in soho at a place called new york inc wooster street social club and um, I just kind of like, I've never gotten a lot of tattoos that were super sentimental. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten some. Yeah. I think when you get tattooed, you kind of like feel obligated to get sentimental ones for maybe totally. your first like five or 10. Yeah. Cause you're like, people are going to ask me about these and I need yeah. to know, I need to have something to tell them. So this is family and yeah, this is yeah, my yeah. religion or this is my neighborhood. Yeah. And um, so I always kind of like not scoffed at like sentimental tats, but after a while I got like, I just collect tattoos. It's yeah. experiences. It's artists I like. But then I came full circle and I was like, man, I really want a PMA. I want, I want a reminder of that positivity, you know? Totally. And so, and I was like, fuck, it'd be cool if Toby did it, you know? And then Thank just kind of, we had that mutual friend for yeah, a little while yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. kind of like, 
I was kind of like, man, maybe if he comes out to New York, it'll work it out. It was perfect, man. Yeah, that so was it awesome. fucking scarred the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, oh, you know, I think Sorry. you can see it on YouTube too, you guys. Oh, really? I think there's a video maybe. Okay. On, on If you type in like Toby Moore's tattoo and Luke Westman, oh, it shit. might be on there. I'll I don't, that. I think I think it's on there. I also have a Luke Westman, your initials on me. I also got the self-made on me. You did a Jay-Z Nas tattooed on me. I did some good shit, It was just good fun, fun times hanging out at that shop with you, man. Um. Yeah, so where else are we at? I get lost in my childhood, man, because it was so like, it was like, I never like sat and dwelled on it, but I always wanted to get through it, you know? Yeah. I always wanted to like get better, get more secure, get more yeah. like um, stable, you know, because the parents weren't stable. Yeah, so I, I know you mentioned before about started seeing dudes with tattoos and stuff like that, and you, you kind of started getting it for kind of like some armor for you back then, you know, when you first started seeing it and the visuals of it and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I always... What's that? I thought your phone was this on. I'm sorry. No, no, it's not me. I don't think. Shut your phone off! Oh, maybe it was. Shit, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Um, I always say when people talk about my tats, I always say I didn't... I started getting them for armor, you know? I started getting them to uh, to try to look... To try to look a little... Um, try to look tougher, you know? Yeah. Skinny white kid growing up around Samoans, Bloods, and Crips, and mexican gangs and like really being in the middle of that yeah. and um i think when i was when i was a kid oceanside where i grew up was like a murder capital of like the state or something for a while Damn. we had prostitution drug dealing gang banging and then they had like um they had a big crackdown and they've cleaned it up a lot but when i was a kid a real young kid that was uh, a tough area to navigate through totally. it wasn't and there wasn't like a trailer park where i could just kick it with all the white boys and we'd yeah. have our thing it was just like me you know, I was kind of running around trying to figure it out, you know, where I identify, what I identified I with, with yeah. right? So hip hop, surfing helped me get out of the, the trouble. I always wanted to hang with my older brother and luckily he kind of didn't let me into his circle because they were getting into like heavy drugs and, yeah. and they were doing gang banging too. And um, luckily Brian, you know, through, you know, his straight edge lifestyle and hardcore yeah. music, surfing. I mean, those things kind of got me out of just like a negative mental attitude you know what i mean totally it's like, who you surround yourself yeah with for sure, oh man, man. i you bring you down the older i get the more i realize just i mean the company you keep you know guilty by association exactly it's real shit man it's it's everything man it's everything and uh luckily i met you know brian my good friend rob ruiz i don't know if you ever met him he's a badass sushi chef in, okay. in, in san diego county um these are people that just kind of help develop my mentality of like thinking positive thinking clear yeah you know not trying to think like holding down the block was cool you know which is fine if that's yeah. your life, but you know. So anyway, I don't know. Get hold, hold, hold. When you got your first tattoo, you know you got Westman across your back. Sixteen, sixteen. Damn. I got, um, sixteen. I got Westman across my back. It was kind of like, you know, you looked around and all you had as influence was what you saw, right? Totally. So I saw the, the vatos at the beach, or yeah. like you know people with like the the neighborhood gang tats, jail tats, and that was just kind of around me. So. I was like, okay, old English, my last name. That's yeah. what you do, represent. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, my family was like gone or whatever. But you know, um, I got, I didn't get it that big. It was my friend Jason Betts. He's still tattooing today in Oceanside and just been holding it down for my whole life. He did my first one out of his apartment. I was sitting on an egg crate, <laughs> and Brian was there, and my girlfriend at the time was there. And um, I wanted, I told him I want old, old English man. And he's like, all right, look out of this book. And it's like a Gothic lettering book. Yeah. He's like, pick out the one you want, go down to Kinko's, blow it up to the size you want Damn, and bring back school. copies of, of the sizes. Yeah. So I went down to Kinko's, picked a page and made some sizes and came back up. His apartment was so cool, man. It was like, it was my first experience with like tattooing really kind of yeah. other than just seeing people tattooed. Yeah. And he had, 
you go into his in his house in his apartment and he had like fishing poles wetsuits bikes car stereos he basically the neighborhood <laughs> was like bringing like bartering for tattoos ah, you know interesting and um i was just like wow this is crazy like this dude's just like all this stuff you know yeah and uh, he was just hustling man he was just starting tattooing he was a uh, he was doing it way back and the dude's still a hard-working guy he's he's a awesome. badass and he did my first tat and probably my first five or so yeah, I did my last name. Then I went back and I got like skull and crossbones like maybe a week or two later Sick. on the sides of my old English. And <laughs> I just kept getting tatted yeah, by him. Once you get the bug, man, it's hard, yeah. man. And uh, luckily he wasn't doing like shitty work. I mean, it was, wasn't amazing, but yeah, I just wanted to look tough. I wanted to, it wasn't like I was trying to be tough, but I wanted to look yeah. tough so people wouldn't mess with you, you know, yeah. mess with me, you know what I mean? Or at least like, um, yeah, it was just like armor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really was armor. And what was it? What was it like that for you being young in New York? Was yeah, that? I mean, for, I mean, I definitely it wasn't. Really, it wasn't like you said. I wasn't trying to be tough, but I, I'd like to express myself, and I liked having tattoos. I also like the shock value too, and like, don't fuck with me. I'm a freak. Leave me alone. I'm not one of you. You know what yeah. I mean? And people like on the subways, like, if I was when a wife beater in the summer, people would not not want to sit next to me or yeah. take their babies away from old ladies wouldn't want me to give them the seats. Totally just stereotype for tattoos. For yeah, sure. twenty plus years ago, I mean, people were yeah. ladies were clutching their purses and holding mm-hmm. their kids a little tighter. And yeah, I mean, that's why I was getting them though. I was getting them to look meaner. I was getting them to, when I walked through, you know, the neighborhoods where I was at, I didn't want to look weak. You had to posture yeah. up, and part of that was like, hopefully, you know, I don't know if it really helped. I fucking <laughs> was told once when I was a kid I have kind eyes. Yeah, you so do. I couldn't. Plus, you're a big dude anyway. Yeah. Though. So I, I had a shaved head for so many years, oh, yeah. and like you know, I had the full gear, you know, Dickies and Cortez and uh, what Ben Sherman. If I had extra money, because those that were a little more Cali expensive, shit right there, yeah, the whole Cali swap meet look. <laughs> yeah, and which which was great because it was affordable, you know, and I didn't have a lot of money back then. And then when did you get your face tat? How old were you? Is that later 20, in life? 21. Okay. Yeah, or twenty two or something. Still really young. Yeah, man. Same kind of vibe, like neighborhood shit going on, you know keeping that whole look trying to keep keep looking tough you know yeah. navigating through bikers and gang i got a little older and there was like biker issues you know i had issues with clubs because of friends and yeah guilty by association, association on, yeah. the wrong, on the wrong way you know <laughs> yeah so i mean i've had i've had some shit where it's like straight out of a movie you know had to go in and sit down and talk and man up and you know had a Damn. lot of crazy shit but i don't want to like bring that back up or talk about who that was but yeah had some shit where I was, you know, was facing some fears as a kid. Yeah, were you always a fearless kid because of the way you grew up, or were you more like? No, you know what? Um, I think even to today, you know, you kind of like when you grow up without a safety net, you kind of there's a fear of um, of failing. But I wasn't fearless in a sense. I wasn't foolish, but I I was fearless in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean. But um, just uh, for me, even to this day, you know, afraid of failing and afraid of you know lack of stability you know and which yeah. is when you you know better than anybody i mean you've been doing diy for your whole, yeah, life, whole life you know dude. so it's a uh, you know you hold yourself accountable and now you i mean you got the family the wife the yeah. kid like i'm luckily just me i have a b- wonderful beautiful lady but um yeah man it's like there's no uh safety net so so that no safety net kept kept me from fucking around a lot yeah. it kept me like diligently hard working not yeah. getting into a lot of bullshit even though we got into a lot of fist fights back then because we were trying to prove ourselves you know yeah. like so if something popped off we were there I never would start it but always fucking be there yeah so i got i remember this one fight i got this is a little bit later but it was at a tone loke concert in carlsbad <laughs> at that uh at a skaters bar um pink elephant or something like that in okay. carlsbad do you know um matt hensley owned it oh shit back in the day yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and he had shows there. I think Shout out to Matt Hensley. I think he owned it at Froggy the time. Molly. And uh, yeah, Tone Loke came. And we were like, holy shit. And this was still when we were repping the neighborhood. Like I got my city tattooed on my side, Oceanside. Yeah. And you know, we were repping pretty hard for this for our city. And uh, some guy um, was stepping to my friend's lady after the show already went, after Tone Loke already played. It was a small venue. So stepping to my friend's lady. And I think I kind of got in this dude's face and he just sucker punched me hard in the wow. bar. And I just snapped like I'm a nice dude. You know what I mean? I'm quiet and I yeah. never start shit, but I snapped on the guy and the bouncers knew me and they grabbed me, kicked the guy outside. One of my friends, Eddie, who was a suicidal, uh, OG Eddie, um, uncle Eddie, he, uh, he ran out after him, but was kind of drunk. And yeah. so these two dudes started kicking him in the parking lot. And uh, I just was kind of tripping. Like, I was stunned. I was like, dude, that dude fucking sucker punched me. <laughs> so I, I looked out the window and I saw these two guys going after my buddy Eddie. So I ran out and, and took my shirt off and all this shit. Like, stuff you probably wouldn't imagine me doing because I'm so <laughs> yeah, mellow. I, <laughs> I was fucking repping for the set hard. They were like from Encinitas or something. Anyway, um, I digress. I don't know what. what uh, well, where yeah. So, so then when you start tattooing, so you got your first tattoos, you love yeah. it, you start getting into it, you always. You always drawing and shit. So what made you start, like when did you start tattooing and what was that? So tattooing found me, um, you know, aside from just trying to look tougher and navigate yeah. through where I was growing up, I, that guy, Jason, got a job at a shop called About Face in Oceanside. It was like the first shop opened up in Oceanside in, I don't know, 20, 30 years or yeah. something. Um, so he started working there and then I started going there getting tattooed by him and then i started seeing the different artists and different styles and like yeah. you couldn't just scroll instagram and see shit like you had to actually physically see this so this came to my neighborhood and i started going in there and i saw this one guy's work i really liked it was more like traditional tattoos and i was yeah. just like this shit's bold and cool and sailor and yeah you know i was getting into surfing so a lot of the ocean stuff i identified with so i started getting tattooed by this other guy milford barnes kind of a gypsy crazy tattooer but a really good tattooer yeah him and i kind of hit it off we were surfing together a lot at oceanside pier and um he was tattooing me i was working as an electrician was making good money i was like 17 and uh could have tattoos and and had a paycheck and was feeling like i was on a good path and then um you know yeah i grew up drawing and being real creative with my yeah. hippie hippie family but um he asked me one day if i wanted to learn how to tattoo and this was in a time where tattooing was such a mystery, you know, and a mysterious profession where it was like, yeah. to, it was, to me, it was magical. You know what I mean? I yeah. was just like, these guys have traveled and they tattoo all these people and they're artists. And I was really, um, really enthralled by it, but also intrigued and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Torn, torn between that and, and the stability of the job I had. You yeah. Know? So when he asked me, I thought about it for a week and it was just a vulnerable time at 17 that I was like, fuck, I want to do it. Yeah. So I, I started an apprenticeship, and it took about a year and a half mm -hmm. and I just watched and it was like an old school apprenticeship where you're not really like, you're never an official apprentice back yeah. then. You were just allowed <laughs> to mop up and be around mm -hmm. shop boy. Like shit. Yeah. yeah. And I always say it's like you were, it was a time where if you could kind of piece it all together, everything you were seeing and everything that was going on and, you know, kind of figure out how to draw and maybe paint, um, you could kind of weasel your way into being a tattooer, yeah, you know, yeah, earn yeah. the respect, earn your chops, you know, and luckily Luckily, I had a really good apprenticeship. I never got picked on or beat, you know, yeah. or talked shit to. I just kind of was, you know, hardworking, diligent. Mm -hmm. I'd work as an electrician until like two or three, and then I'd go to the tattoo shop every every day. Wow. Um, I know you had Nuki be an electrician. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You have a trade. 
Yeah, I could always go back to that, but yeah, I'll probably shock myself. <laughs> I don't think I'm very good. I, don't ask me to wire your house. Okay, I won't. Uh, we did we did big big electrical stuff. We pulled uh, we pulled cable and we um, did cell phone towers for Var- Verizon and big companies. Oh shit! I know you do that, man. It's awesome. Yeah, it was dope, man. I was like making 17 bucks an hour. I was like killing it. It was like overtime and wow. Loved it. I worked with my friends. Brian worked there actually. Oh, he and did? his brother worked there and a few of our other buddies. So it was a good time. It was a really good time. And so I was able to make money and, and uh I think it was li- Brian and I were living in Oceanside. We had roommates, awesome. we weren't paying a lot and yeah. we were just kinda you know, trying to figure it out, save money and but yeah, tattooing found me and uh just kinda lured me in. So then I kinda began this uh, began this apprenticeship and yeah. just became like totally enamored in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. like love tattooing and traditional tattooing and the history and wanted to wanted to do right by it and wanted yeah. to um you know respect it and protect it you know as as uh you know anything hard-earned you know what i mean totally hard-earned is something that you just like if it was hard for you to get there you 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 hold it more dear you 100 so, that's i am about music for sure yeah like it wasn't overnight you know nah. which is why you, know, you get a lot of grumpy old tattooers because yeah. they, you know, they had they had such a hard time getting there where they're yeah. at, you know, and, and such a long road. Yeah, you couldn't just watch a YouTube video and learn something about tattooing. Oh, it's so different now. You had to go get tattooed, watch the guy, maybe pick up a secret, look at their portfolio, and yeah, person, not try online. to figure it out. Yeah. Like, and and you know, it was a long road to get tattooing, and I was at the end of that. You know, I was yeah. really, you know, the end of the '90s was when I was kind of getting into it, but still saw it all, saw the protection, saw like, yeah. You know, there was no free information. There was no. like, you, if you were lucky enough to work at a good shop, you'd learn their their way and yeah. and then try to put it all together. But, um, so yeah, I did that. And then your first tattoo you did on yourself, right? First tattoo. The first night I did, <laughs> I did my leg. I did some, like the handshake. Sick. And uh, I remember I drew the stencil, made a stencil and then put it on with my leg bent. <laughs> so if you straighten your leg, one hand gets small. Oh shit. I didn't know, you know, like, so you, I should have put the stencil on me standing up or my leg straight. Yeah. So now it just moves a little bit. It's not too warped. That's amazing. But, so then I outlined that and it was just exciting. I was like, fuck, oh, you know, like so exciting. And then I'm fucking tattooing myself. So like you have the physical pain, the, like the energy, the emotion, I'm, and all that like, shit. I'm yeah. doing it. Like after I've been apprenticing for a year and a yeah. half and seeing it and like hearing it and living it totally and getting tons of tats. I was getting so many tats mm-hmm. being at the shop. And, um, the next night I did my other leg. I started my other leg, a faith open charity. It's still outlined. <laughs> and, nice. and then I tattooed my older brother. Okay. A, a nautical star, like in a weird part of his oh, you shoulder. You told me that, right? Yeah. And it was like the worst. <laughs> The worst first kind of tattoos to do because yeah. it's all straight lines. I and put the it area is hard. Too, I yeah. put it in such a bad area. It was damn. You know, it doesn't look too bad though. Even today, when yeah. I've seen it. It doesn't look too bad. Of all the other <laughs> shitty ones I did on him. So um, yeah, so got into it that way, man, and and um, decided if this is what I'm going to do. Making the jump from electrical to tattooing was really hard. You know, yeah, a leap of faith. Like, totally. I'm going from like stability of this company finding me work and me going there every day and just working to like I'm fucking at the shop and I got to figure out how to build a clientele totally and I got to figure out how to do good work and uh what a fucking scary moment you know like jumping off a cliff and like hoping you catch as much as you want to do you have to make sure you're good at it too and like have good work yeah Yeah, so there was love the crap you have to like master there was no fail though it wasn't an option yeah there was no there was no option to fail so I just good teachers around you too good yeah good good people to watch and learn from and um you know dave gibson and 
uh, Morgan Pennypacker and Milford Barnes and, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that I was kind of like growing up around seeing yeah. their work and studying mm-hmm. their work and trying to figure out what, what, uh, what I was doing. So yeah, yeah. Once I had to do it uh, for a living, I just gave it my all and I still do, you know, I mean, you go up and down inspiration wise, you know, as an totally, artist, yeah. but 20 years I've been doing it 20 it's years, man. Amazing, I don't man. feel that old, but 20 years I've given it my life, my back, my fucking, you literally know. your back, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, got into it, got into working every day in downtown San Diego and I won't get into some of the details of, of the shop situation, but ended up owning a shop really young. Nice. And, um, luckies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Had the shop for years with a partner and then, um, got asked to go to Miami Inc when they were doing the show. What year was that? Fuck man. I don't know. Four or five or something. Yeah. Like pretty late, but I was still a young tattooer, you know? And, um, Morgan Pennypacker had worked at Lucky's before, right before me. And I kind of knew him. And he knew his his wife knew Ami James, the guy who started yeah. Miami Inc. with all those guys. And so he called me to come out. He's like, hey, he's like, hey, I worked at this. I'm work. I'm gonna work at this shop. It's mm-hmm. really gonna be busy. They are starting a TV show. And I had never traveled. I'd never really worked around other tattooers. And uh, I was just like, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll come out there. So I went out and uh, started tattooing after they would film. They'd film all day, and then the shop would kind of be open. And it was just kind of generating some buzz. Yeah. And it was just starting to pick up some energy in the community. Like it was in, on Miami Beach. It's still it was there. Blowing up too, man. Like yeah. Or a TV show. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, I mean, a pivotal changing point in tattoo culture. Changed yeah. everything. So, and at the time, you know, it was bittersweet because I was able to tap into that a little bit and and make money for the first time in years. Yeah. You know, I mean, starting off in San Diego with no clientele. I mean, there was weeks where I made zero money. Yeah. You know, I needed less to live back then, so my monthly nut wasn't as much, but still like zero weeks, you know, mm-hmm. when you're you're there, which gave me a lot of time to paint and try to perfect painting and, yeah. and grow as a as an artist in that sense, but when I got to go to Miami Inc, it was really amazing because I was just a young kid. Got to work with Garver. Chris Garver is one of yeah. my favorite tattooers. One of the best, man. man. Shout out to Chris Garver. He did a lot of tattoos yeah. as a kid. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, and just kind of experienced that whole thing in a time where, you know, it was tough because was, there was a lot of criticism For of sure. the show. Yeah. I mean, it was like... Some jealousy, some haters. And- back to that idea of like making it hard to get into tattooing and then want to protect it. And then here you go with these guys doing a show, mm-hmm. showing it on TV, and everyone yeah. was like, what the fuck? Like giving away our secrets, you yeah, mean? Kind of thing, yeah, craft. yeah. And it was tough to work there in a sense that you when you're a young tattooer you really want you want the respect of your peers right totally. in the community and what you're in your profession yeah and so i knew i was going to take a hit working there because it was just like people hated the idea of yeah like real tattooers hated the idea of a show okay right? so but then you had real tattooers working on the show yeah. on the show <laughs> yeah so i was just a young kid man just soaking it all in and was able to like work really hard and and uh and start making a little money for the first time yeah. in my whole life, you know, and uh, and learn how to tattoo better around people like Garver and like and like in like a lit situation, like crazy. A stressful for me. <laughs> crazy. Were you there when you were on the show? I was on there, yeah, just barely. But yeah. I was just like, I mean, I was all over that shop. Like, yeah, you know, what I mean, like, so if they were filming, I was like standing behind the guy filming, or yeah. I was like, you know, I'd pop in and out. But I wasn't yeah, it was one fun of being on there. I was just a young kid. I wasn't one of the guys, and I part of me didn't want to be on the show because of the you know the pressure hate, the hate that it, pressure, pay, hate, yeah, yeah that too i mean i would probably, that was kind of pre-really internet social media shit too, yeah which is good which is good yeah but yeah you guys came in there i remember i didn't awesome. know you guys then yeah it was fun to get tattooed by chris did you 
how, how was that? Did you know Garver or was it Darren Brass? Or how Gar- Gar- Garver, man. Yeah. 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 From New York. Yeah. He did a bunch of tattoos. He made a fun city back in the day. All of us, man. That's so I had a rad. lot of pieces from him. But I know Darren too from Connecticut. He's awesome. Did the whole band get tattooed? No, just me. And then Daniel the Swede got tattooed too. Oh, Daniel's on the show. Yeah. 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 Oh, rad. And then Lindsay was there. Lindsay's on the same episode. I didn't even know that till no later. No way. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. It was awesome. I, I feel like for the tattoo community, I'm not really part of that. I'm a collector, but. It exposed tattoos to make them more of a household name and more acceptable. At the same time, it made it easy for people who weren't good tattooers to open up shops and start putting shitty work on people. So there was that fine line of like, it's great promoting because it brings business to the great tattooers, but also lets people who aren't even that good open up shops. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's positive and negatives of that. There's, there's definitely both positive and negative to be found about it. I mean, you know, that, that mystery and that sweet magic that I found when I was a young kid, you know, that's kind of gone because there's a lot of, it's just, you know, the shows and like yeah. all the YouTube stuff. Overex- overexposed. Yeah, but but it also, you know, as an adult, it's nice not to have fucking old ladies scared of you. you exactly. Know what I, mean? I, or whatever. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great, man. I, I didn't have to live with her or be a tattoo artist, but I know that like for me, like, yeah, it's like random old ladies saying I like your tattoos. Yeah, yeah. People come up to you and like, oh, like who does your work or... And then my dude with the neck tattoos and eyelids tattooed at my Trader Joe's over here and my FedEx mail, the um, neck tattoo. That like, works Holy there? Shit. At yeah. Trader Joe's, yeah, the eye man. tats? Yeah, Eyelid? I, eyelids and neck, everything, dude. Damn, edgy. It's crazy. It doesn't matter anymore. You can get jobs like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm sure it's still limited. But I, I mean, I applied for UPS like maybe like eight <laughs> years ago just to see if I get a job during the Christmas Christmas rush. And they... I went to looking like me and they and they hired me but then I went on tour I didn't get to do it but you didn't start. I tried though don't be mad UPS is hiring but I uh, it was cool to do that and um, just see if I could actually get ta- get hired with tattoos on my neck but um, it was pretty awesome yeah yeah so so Miami Inc I think overall I think was a great thing for, for tattoo and you, tattoo and you get culture. to tattoo a little Wayne Rick Ross or something tell me that situation I think no I, I didn't tattoo I, I went to tattoo um, Little Wayne one night so I was in Miami I mean I, I ended up moving there and I lived there for four and a half years but I used to yeah. fly back and forth to San Diego um, yeah. before I moved there and so I was there and I was um, I think I was getting ready to move out of Miami but my uh, Little Wayne's people called our shop and was like hey um, you know Wayne wants to wants to get tattooed can someone come to his studio yeah and no one wanted to go i think we were just so busy and so much going on that they were like tell them to come down here we're not gonna mm-hmm. go and i was just like i'll go i don't care like awesome yeah and so he's like cool come to the hip factory at 12 30 p.m or, or a.m like come late yeah the hip factory or whatever and then I, I somehow rounded up garver and my brother brian was there and um I was like, come with me, man. I'm going to go tattoo Lil Wayne and it's going to be cool. <laughs> and I just, you know, it felt good to have a crew with me too. So yeah. we went there and um, pulled in. It was like in the hood, but uh, pulled into the place and I parked in a spot that was reserved for Timberland. It said on it. I was See. like, oh, this is cool. No, it's Timberland. Oh, Timberland. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, and uh, we went in there and Birdman was playing pool. Sick. And, um, and uh, we ended up kind of setting up in a little room and then just waiting for him and his assistant kept coming out or one of his assistants was like, Hey, he's, he's almost done, man. He's just recording or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, cool. We're, you know, chatting and hanging out and it's still a pretty cool scene with Birdman and everything and kind of, um, mellow. And after, after a few hours, I think we all were getting kind of antsy, especially like my crew that I brought. They're yeah. like, dude, what is that? What's up with this shit? And then, um, I think Wayne like passed out or knocked out or something. And he was like, dude, sorry. He's like, he's out. Like, we're not going to wake him or something like that happened. Damn. And I'm like, all right, dude, let's go. Like, so me and the guys left and his people were really cool. They called the next day and they were like, we're so sorry, man. 
tell me how much you uh I was just making noise, sorry. <laughs> oh shit. Damn, you're good at this thing, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Luke, so what Luke's, happened, what Luke's, happened uh, there Luke's, was Luke's bling bling was smacking the I table. was talking with my hands and I was banging the table when Toby was controlling the sound he's like don't fuck this up okay, so he ahead. put a stack of t-shirts underneath and you sound wonderful though so keep Thanks, going man. so anyway Little Wayne. His, uh, his people were really cool and reached out the next day and were like sorry for wasting your time what do we owe you and all this stuff that's cool yeah they were cool but I uh, never ended up tattooing him but then my homie Duel we ended up hooking up Duel with, with him cool and uh, he used to tattoo him he's a big OG dude he works here in LA I think I haven't talked to him lately. We talked to Tattoo Stolly too. That's cool. Stolly is awesome, man. He's the homie. He's been um, for years. I've tattooed him, and he's just been a rad dude. He, he loves traditional too. Likes said, traditional, right? which That's is rad. Sick. Which is rad for dark skin because it just shows up so much better than a lot of yeah. things. You know, it's bold, it's blocky in a yeah. lot of ways, so it uh, it can hold and look better with dark skin. So he's he's on the right track. Really intelligent, rad dude. Stolly got a nice beard too. Shout out Stolly. You know, Sally, did you do Rick Ross or not? I thought you did. I didn't do Rick. I was tattooing one day during the time that like hustling was coming out. So he was really big in Every Miami. Day I'm hustling. Yeah, yeah, man. And it was like the anthem in Miami Six for a minute. Yeah. And uh, it was in between film and shows. I think we had moved the shop. So the original Miami Inc. moved a couple doors over to a little bit bigger of a mm-hmm. space. And I remember I was tattooing one day and nobody was at the front desk. And um, Rick Ross came in and I was like, oh shit. Sick. And I told my client, I'm like, hold on for a second, man. Let me go talk to this dude. <laughs> Put my, took my gloves off, went down to the desk and was, uh, was like, what's up, man? How can I help you? And he was like, oh, just trying to see what up with getting tattooed. And he's like, I'm trying to see, are you guys filming? Like, should I come? I want to, you know, see what's up with the show. And Oh shit. And uh, he came in all blinged out and ready to roll. You know, I think the way they portrayed that show was like, people just walk in and you help yeah. them and they're getting filmed. And so yeah. I think people kind of didn't know and they kind of came in expecting that a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 Um, to so be filming all, yeah. all day. Yeah. Cause you know, it was reality. We didn't know. Yeah. Like, reality isn't, you know, it's a little bit not recorded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, re- you know, based on reality, everything. Yeah. I, I know that uh, Rick Ross has a famous stars and straps F on his chest because that was the first company that fucked with him game free clothes. So I thought that was cool that he got that tattoo. That's pretty, pretty cool. It's man. pretty awesome. Yeah, Travis so, has always kind of crossed over into a bunch of hip hop, yeah, punk, everything. He's yeah. always on. That. I remember seeing um, on the cover of uh, Source magazine when Lil Wayne was wearing the famous Stars and Straps Cadillac buckle, belt buckle, and that kind of fucking blew it up. I remember like him, all the rappers and outcasts, all rock and all that shit. It was cool. Yeah, man. So, so, so Rick wrote down his number on a big white piece of paper. I probably still have it somewhere because I thought it was so fucking cool. It's it's dope, Rick said yeah. Rick Ross, and it had like his phone number. Rick Rose. So, but it wasn't, awesome. but it wasn't actually his phone number. I called the next day because I was telling him like the filming schedule. I was like, look, man, they're not filming right now, but love to have you on or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll tattoo you. Yeah. That's awesome. So when I called, it was like a, one of his, his like front men, you know, like it was like a mm-hmm. number that they give like yeah. a third tier person, you know, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> you answer these calls, you know, but uh, okay, get vetted through that yeah yeah i had to get vetted so. he's he, he represents self-made too and that and, that, and that's always been your thing too i know i have a self-made tattoo from you yeah but how important is that to you i mean i don't know if, if i would i would call it important hey, i guess it would be important man i mean there was a time where i was embarrassed of being um poor being on mm-hmm. my own not necessarily the fact that i was on my own but i just i didn't grow up with a lot of pride you know what i mean yeah so there wasn't like a, a cultural pride there wasn't like my a family pride i tried to have the family pride but they kind of took off so i um self-made for me was like it was kind of like a checkpoint I well, think like I I'm, got, all, I'm on my own i'm gonna get my shit together yeah it, it was myself. i got it years into tattooing i got it years into owning a shop and and doing uh decent work and, yeah um 
when I got it on my knuckles, you know, we were talking about how hard it is to figure out what to put on your knuckles. Yeah, today, yeah. <laughs> like, because you only get, like, you know, you got, what, eight letters mm-hmm. and kind of fudge that around a little bit. And if you got anything else on there in the way, it gets tricky. So yeah. I was thinking of what to get on my knuckles, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. do I get? with What's eight letters, you know? And uh, I was, I think I thought of it early on, and I was like, when I get to this point, maybe 10 years tattooing or 10 years, like, taking care of myself completely yeah. or... or it was it was more of like a milestone in my life to feel a little bit secure. Yeah, I um, yeah, I got them done in San Diego. Milford, the guy Milford did them, self made, just blown out, really nice old school traditional. Yeah, and it was more of like, it wasn't like a cocky like I made it, you know, because yeah. I really haven't and I still haven't really. I mean, I, I guess whatever plateau you set for yourself, but mm-hmm. at the time it was like a plateau of like, fuck, I've been on my own this long. I'm doing, I'm sustaining my own lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, you're making your way in the world, you're yeah. Make, you're making a name for yourself, and so it was a checkpoint. You made it this far, and yeah. you're fucking still going. I like that. So during that, um, I was kind of mentioning like I was embarrassed of being a poor kid yeah. born on a hippie farm. Yeah. Like those, those were things that I wasn't owning. I just kind of wouldn't talk about. I was a quiet kid. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't talk about it. But then there was just like a turning point. Where I was like, you know, let me just own what I went through, own what I've done. Yeah. And so I kind of like the whole self-made thing became like a turning point in my life to be like. Not proud, but just own my history, you know, yeah, own man. my struggle. As you should, yeah. And so self-made was like a, yeah, like a checkpoint and a turning point. And I started kind of running with the whole self-made thing and yeah, and felt authentic because I really did come from zero, like yeah. literally nothing. A lot of people I mean? can relate to that too, for sure. Yeah. Obviously yeah. Rick Ross is about that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you get older, you realize how many people have had it rough, you know? Yeah. I've been through shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I never was like, oh, I've had it so hard. Woe's me. But. I was like, man, I had a rough time, you know, and, but the more I talk to people, the more I realize, man, so many people have had hardships and hard lives and, you know, even the fucking people that seem rich and yeah. seem like they got it all going on have had, have hardships. You 100%, know? Man. Someone, someone asked me on Instagram if, uh, who would I would trade places with if I could trade places with anybody. And I just thought about it for a minute and I was like, there's nobody. Yeah. Because you don't know what people have been through or what they're going Absolutely through. Not, they yeah. may look like they got some shit going on. Mm-hmm but I'll, I'll take my chances with me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't trade my, my story for, for, uh, for any, with anybody's, but uh, everyone's got it tough, which is something 100%. I've learned later in life. Like yeah. everyone's got their own stride type of struggle. We've all been through shit. When did yeah. you become a traveling man? Uh, a Mason? Yeah. <laughs> I became a Freemason in like um, 2010, 2009. And what, what, drew, what drew you to that? So my old boss, Dave Gibson, um, the guy who owned the tattoo shop I learned at in San Diego, Lucky's, he was a Mason. And I just kind of like was super interested in it. One, just being like um, an artist that looked at books and and symbols and like tried yeah. to like utilize that in my artwork. Yeah. Like Masonic sim- like symbology. There was just so much richness to it. So yeah. one, because of that. Two, because I saw him as a Mason. He was a Mason. And yeah. these he rad people would come by and he had the the masonic sticker on the door and still it was just like this uh really interesting thing to me and as someone that not that i glorified gangs but i like liked the idea of the community and the toughness and the security of like neighborhood gangs mm-hmm. um all the things about masonry for me that i found out through research or from the people that i met that were masons was so in line with like my morals my outlook my my idea my idea of trying to self improve and uh, improve the people around me yeah um and then the fact that it was like this worldwide community in in a bigger term gang you know what i mean yeah and uh but was a gang based on like 
and you know morals and charity and respect yeah yeah and self-improvement there's no women involved right no women um you know it's just it's an old it's like an old club you know and it has like some old fundamentals that uh yeah there's no women so um but yeah it was not to bring yeah no yeah uh there's (laughs) chapters there's um there's like departments that are are, um are uh, women you know wives and stuff but yeah freemasonry for me was just like a really in line with my personal ideals you know yeah and um yeah like i said like the morality is like self-improvement community all those things and then a beautiful like collection of like symbology that all these different things represent you know yeah. like the square and compass and the plum and the like all these working tools that actually uh, have symbolism to kind of guide you through life and help you kind of be a good man yeah, or like try that. to be a better yeah. man so people always ask me that yeah people always ask me if I'm a traveling <laughs> man because I have a lost art of the gentleman which we're going to get into next I have a tattoo that me uh, I have one Skiba has one and Diego has one and I think Luke has one obviously but it looks like I guess it looks like the uh, um a traveling man tattoo and people ask me all the time like no dude it's lost art of the gentleman go talk to luke westman he is one he did it on me yeah um the lag logo so i mean you have this thing called lost art of the gentleman which i think is amazing i know you're working on a book for a long time it's going to come out someday i'm, I'm gonna put out for i'll put out for you if you don't <laughs> Thank do it you. and um it's all this like nice uh it's like all these nice sediments and different things about you know relationships and love and respect and honor and you have a cool instagram for it and uh i think it's awesome and i think that you you know, you've always been like a styling, handsome. You like one. You are my top handsome tattoo <laughs> artist. Like you, um, let's see the top handsome tattoo artist. Uh, you, Tim Hendricks. They used to call him Trim Hendricks. Yeah, you, Tim Hendricks, Dan Smith, Lindsey Carmichael, Carmi- Carmichael um, the handsome uh, tattoo artist. Juan Puente, Scott Sylvia, and they're all everybody. They're all handsome. Back. All, all handsome gentlemen. But um, back to the lost art of the gentleman. I think it's really cool you do that and promote that. It's something totally positive. It's something you would not expect by a massively tattoo guy with a face tat and a gold tooth you know there's a lot of stereotypes about tattoo artists and and people with tattoos in general and you're showing the softer side because you are a big fucking regardless of what you did as a kid i've only known you as a big teddy bear and i know you're a sensitive man and a sweet man and i think it's cool you promote that yeah so yeah so the tattoo i mean i did model the logo off of a little bit of masonry like square yeah, yeah. square and 100 percent because i'm getting yeah, so and it's right on your neck, so it's like, <laughs> oh, blast. Maybe we should have put it in a more discreet Whatever, spot. Whatever, man. They always ask me, I'm a traveling man. But I wanted people, so the the Lost Art of the Gentleman thing, you know, I, the tattoo especially, I wanted people that I like really felt like embodied what I believe it's about. Yeah. You know, and you're heavil, hev, heavily a tattoo collector, so. Oh, yeah, I got problems. Sorry, this drink you gave me is trying to make me burp. Need that Zevia shot the Zevia right now. We need to get Zevia on the sponsor tip. Um, yeah, maybe they'll, maybe they'll sponsor me. Um, so anyway, the yeah, the other logo is based on a little bit of a Freemasonry square and compass, but it's just an L and an A and a G, and the way they cross kind of looks like a yeah. square and compass, which is like one of the main symbols. Um, I like how you did it on your IG. I need, I need to get, I'm happy you make me some letters. What do you mean? The circles underneath this is lag. Oh yeah, yeah. on the I, highlight I, thing. I might or get some, some letters from me for some other shit. OLC or something. It's dope. Yeah, like be like the blind leading the blind. I barely know how to use this shit. It's pretty sick though. Um, <laughs> so last are the gentleman. Yeah. So um, the origin was just like I was living in New York, single guy for the first time in most of my life. I've always had like long term girlfriends, and was in my 30s, working in a good shop, making good money, saving. And was in the dating scene in New York, which is awesome. Like, you know, quiet guy from California. Yeah. They pick me out of a lineup in a second. You know what I mean? And there is, there's like five to one girls to guys there. Or there was. 
I've never experienced that. I live in New York most of my whole life, but I was with Moon, so I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, I mean, ultimately, you know, you, you've got the better end of the deal. Thank you. It wasn't something I wanted to experience, but since I was forced to, I've kind of made the best of it. Yeah. And um, just dated a whole lot, like dated a lot. Like I've worked a lot and dated a lot. It was a lot of a lot of nice ladies, a lot of hardworking women in New York, a lot of grinders. So <laughs> um, I ended up dating a lot. Just seeing the, like, the scene was like so fucked up, you know, like- so people um, try to get over and shit. Yeah, because I'm, you know, like whatever I look like, I'm pretty a wholesome guy in a lot yeah. of regards, you know, and I'm, I'm more yeah. of like a traditional guy, you know, like yeah. hold the door no matter what. Like I joke, I hold the door, for, I open the door for my girl when she's driving, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I just like started, it was right around the time when Instagram was coming out and I was kind of mm-hmm. doing doing Instagram for my tattoos and, yeah. you know, just kind of like trying to figure out what that was. And then decided to put some of that romantic shit on my, in, my personal Instagram page, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the first one, what was the first, I don't even remember the first post, but I remember putting like this really romantic little thing up and it was kind of like, I think I'm going to get some shit from my friends because yeah. it's kind of corny, yeah. you know, but to <laughs> me it was just like an honest, this is how I feel totally, it was like yeah, something yeah. about dating or something. Yeah. And, um, it was right when Instagram was really growing. So I was getting a lot of traction. I was just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know, I was at a hot shop that had a TV show for a couple of years, New York Inc., and uh, popped out on it a little bit. And just so all those little building blocks boosted my like people looking at my shit. So I was doing some romantic shit on my page based off of like the scene I was seeing as a person that was dating yeah. girls in New York. Yeah. And um, I just started putting out things that I believed in and I saw that weren't being done or whatever, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, girls that had a lot of hard times there and guys, you know, depending yeah. on what you're into. But there's just a lot of people playing around, you know what I mean? 100%. And, uh, I just was promoting what, you know, what's that saying? Like, instead of bashing what you hate, promote what you love. Love that. Yeah. I think that's a a wonderful sentiment. So I was promoting what I loved, you know, I was promoting like positive things and things about chivalry and just things that I was into directly. Um, And then kind of decided that people were really responding well to it. Aside from some criticism from friends that was kind of teasing me about it being corny. Whatever. I was jealous. Yeah. Hater, 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 hater. (laughs) And, um, I ended up doing like its own page, Lost Art of the Gentleman, and just pr- promoting all this good shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like promoting just positivity, promoting morality, promoting like love, adulthood, and being yeah. a man, and or my thoughts on it, right? Like totally. Not trying to save the world, but just like it was an outlet for promoting what I love. Yeah. So side by side with my regular Instagram, I was doing Lost Art of the Gentleman and just haven't stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like still, but I'm still just trying to put real shit on there like shit that spoke to me or a friend yeah. or through through a conversation about a yeah. relationship um or or things that you know are, are true to like real life scenarios and not mm-hmm. just okay one of my pet peeves with this whole gentleman culture is that it stops at a beard and a mustache and then it goes to like a yacht and a fucking fast car and yeah. a nice watch you know what i mean or a suit like those to me are such trivial parts of what i believe like the gentleman really is yeah it's, it, those are just accessories to what a gentleman is in my opinion so it, it could be it could be somebody's totally poor and a gentleman doesn't yeah. be a millionaire on a fucking yacht yeah and i just thought that that was such a like poor example like those those pages of just butts and fucking yachts which i love butts and, and yachts and and fucking suits <laughs> and all that shit you know what i mean like who doesn't yeah. but to me it was a false representation of what really a gentleman is yeah and so i was like fuck that shit let me go with like real shit mm-hmm. and um 
and just real, real, real stuff that's deeper than that. Totally. And maybe throw some of that in there too, but um, I just... In a classy uh, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of the last Art of the Gentleman thing. And I've, I've had a struggle putting a book together, um, shot a lot of photos, trying to figure out how to do it. A, a picture happened, book. man. And it just, yeah, it's, you know, I got into this back surgery thing and a lot of my extra cash went to, you know, surgery in Germany. I had spine surgery, you know? Yeah, so let's talk about fucking that. You crazy. fucking... Tattoo is, you know, deal with a lot of shit. Obviously, I think a lot of my friends have been getting glasses too from squinting so much yeah. doing tattoos. But you had a serious back injury that same thing happened to Tim Hendricks and he yep. turned you on to go into this hospital in Germany to get your back fixed. Yeah. So I was starting to have back pains, you know, and like was really just grinding all day. Luckily, I was busy. So I was just yeah. tattooing all day, all day, like a good 10 hours a day. And then I was still trying to go home and paint Tattoo Flash and pick grinding. And, and I was just still wanted to be authentic as an mm -hmm. artist. So I was pushing myself. So I was in New York and I was working long days and going home painting and then maybe going out on top of that. So I was just pushing myself, pushing myself. Date, date life. Yeah. 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 Life. <laughs> yeah. Dating like dating is like a job. You know? I, 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 can, I can never imagine. <laughs> I'm so out of the game. So, um, yeah, my back just started just hurting, you know, and I never really believed in pills or drugs. I just never really liked the idea. I never yeah. wanted to rely on that. I never wanted to get hooked. Yeah. So I just never took any kind of pain shit, but I was just like literally every day for you know, up until my major incident, I was just like hurting. I'd get up from a tattoo mm -hmm. and it just was like pain. And, um, <clears throat> just never had that whole like hospital thing down. Like never really went to the hospital and like, yeah. never checked on shit. <laughs> you know, more like pour some Robitussin on it, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, hurt for about a year. Meanwhile, watching my, our good friend, Tim Hendricks go through same shit, this gnarly surgery in Germany, which seemed pretty crazy. But, um, as a person that has traveled the world a lot, um, it didn't seem as crazy to me because I've traveled so much and I realized the healthcare systems in a lot of other countries are way better than Hell ours. Yeah. Far superior. Yeah. And, um, but still, like, it's like, fuck, man, this guy, Tim, he's getting three discs replaced in his spine. That just seems like the craziest thing. You know, yeah. it's such a, a major surgery. And um, watched him go through it all, come back, heal great, surf, box, throw his kids in the air, skateboard. Yeah. And so me, as I'm crippling down, seeing him, like, kind of come back up in stature physically, um, I luckily had him as a as a, an example of, of um, some successful surgery. So I started... Yeah like fucking falling over some days like where i just couldn't stand like yeah. sciatic nerve pain would just hit me and i'd fall to the ground um and then i'd lay on my floor in my apartment in new york for like a day and i kind of feel okay and i'd go back to work never really checking it out i guess that yeah. was a pretty foolish thing but just wasn't in my i didn't think to go to the doctor yeah, just was yeah, like yeah. oh fucking tough it out or whatever <laughs> stupid and then it just got too bad and i I kind of got stuck on my floor in my apartment in New York one day at the Pixar Palace. Pixar Palace. Shout out to Pixar Palace because when Max Max Morris used to come over, we'd watch Pixar. Yeah, we, we yeah we used to always come out to New York and we'd cuddle in uh, Luke's living room. It was really small. We all fit in there together. And we always watch Pixar movies because Max was really young. Yeah. It was so fun, man. Max loved going to the Pixar Palace. I think Moon stayed there once before. It's a tight little apartment, but it was so like warm and comfortable yeah, it was, it was awesome. real warm yeah. lower east side R rivington yeah man i still have a pillow that moon gave me for housewarming it's two mooses sick. it's in the summertime <laughs> Inn. it's at my shop sick um so what, oh so yeah there was this one day i like i i was hurting so bad and i think i was talking to tim or somebody and i was someone said to take like an epsom salt bath so i got into the tub and i remember feeling so much pain and i couldn't tell because the water was so hot 
And I was like, man, this doesn't feel right. And I was kind of laying in the tub and I, I tried to get out and I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand on my legs. Damn. And I was like freaked out for the first time in my whole life. And I kind of crawled fucking naked in my apartment Fuck. to like my kitchen and like was shivering and like just kind of shock and like fear. Like I've never, Damn. I've never experienced this before. Right. And I kind of climbed up onto my like kitchen counter and like held myself up with my arms. And I remember just kind of going, fuck, fuck. Like I can't stand. Damn. I remember talking to you back then too. Yeah, I couldn't put any pressure on my legs. Yeah. I was in so much pain and I, I grabbed a water bottle out of the fridge. I, I don't know if I had like my boxers on the couch or something. And I crippled myself to the living room floor, put boxers on and had my phone and laid on the floor and just like was in like the most pain I've ever had in my life. It was Damn. like something went, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was the moment where something went. And, uh, so I knew I needed surgery and kind of called Tim and called a couple other friends and just was like, what do I do? I'm stuck in New York in an apartment, four story walk up. I couldn't even get to the door to answer it. If, yeah. if someone help, came over to help me and ended up getting help from Regino, my homie, Regino Gonzalez from invisible. Oh, okay. Um, the, sh the tattoo shop invisible was just down the street and I called him and I was like, do you have, this is a, like, I need some pain pills. I need something. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah. to do. So he was like, I got like a Viking or something and he skateboarded over at, or came over in the rain and um, brought me some stuff. And I figured I'd tough it out through the night and then go to the hospital in the morning. And um, my ex-girlfriend at the time, uh, well, not at the time, but a girlfriend I was dating, she came over and kind of helped me. And yeah. we called 911 in the morning at 5 a.m. And Damn. rode my first trip in an ambulance, Fuck. went to the hospital. You have insurance? No, no, I didn't Damn. have insurance. So I went to the hospital and... Um, was kind of relieved like once i got in the ambulance i was like okay i'm, I'm around people that are going to help me you know yeah, what i mean totally. like i'm in care it's some yeah. i just needed some relief i had yeah not slept all night was in pain for hours like the most pain of my whole just life give me some morphine man <laughs> exactly so i get in there and they shoot me with something and they're like how are you on one to ten i'm like oh, i'm on 11 I'm, I'm hurting like what's you know what's the scale and then he can't he's like i'm gonna come back in like 20 minutes and check on you so i was just like laying in a little side thing at like a yeah. Beth Israel or one of those places. And, um, the guy came back and he's like, I'm like, I'm still like at a 10. I'm like hurting, man. So he shot me with morphine and I immediately felt good. And <laughs> I was like, this is why people that. could get fucking hooked on drugs. Wow, man. My whole body was pain free. I felt so Damn. good. And, um, I, I chilled for a minute and I didn't push to get more work done. Cause I just didn't have insurance. So I wasn't like, let's check this out. I yeah. was like, okay, I feel okay. Now what do I do? And they're like, get some rest, take these pain pills, get this prescription, lay down a lot. So I went home, could walk and got up to my apartment and took these pain pills and relaxed for like a, uh, a couple weeks and it held me over. Yeah. And then there's so much more to the story, but I won't bore you with like my whole trip home, moving back to California and then taking a trip to a couple countries and then out there in Spain, fucking falling on my ass, couldn't walk. It was my first really or second day again, in right? Barcelona yeah. when I was traveling. And um, Damn. Was, I tattooed the whole day before at a LTW in Barcelona. Yeah. And the next morning I got up to put my socks on. I was going to go visit the Dali Museum and like see a Gaudi stuff yeah. all over Barcelona. It was going to be awesome. Like I, I was like, okay, get one whole day of work out of the yeah. way and then visit the city. Totally. And I fucking put my socks on in the morning and couldn't stand. Wow. So cut my sh trip short, came back to Cali, got an MRI. Dude was like, it was my friend, Dr. G shout out Dr. G, um, in orange County. He, he sent me to this MRI place, the no insurance place. <laughs> it was like <laughs> pay this much, go to this guy. And, um, they, they took my MRI. He, Dr. G took my MRI, looked at it and was like, Luke, 
this is some serious shit, man. He's like, you got a 11 millimeter bulge. Damn. It's um emergency status. If it goes anymore, you could lose control of your bowel movements. Fuck. A fucking tear went down my eye. <laughs> and I was like, because up until that point, I kind of still thought in the back of my mind that it's I could like do some yoga or yeah. something and be fine. Stretch out and shit. But this was the moment where it's like, you're <laughs> not falling on the floor, not fucking not being able to walk, all these moments. This was the moment that I was like, fuck, I'm really, this is serious. Serious shit, yeah. So then my mind went to like, okay, Tim Hendricks, what he went through, let me get the info, let me do this. So I talked to Tim, he got me this lady, Colleen, who's like a caseworker, sent my my um, MRIs to Germany. That's right, I remember you waiting for that, yeah. Went out there and, uh, um, they, yeah, they were like, we can fix this, no problem. They're like, this is really fucked, but very normal. They're like, you know, very cold about it, but like, yeah, we got yeah. it, like, no problem. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I saw Tim Hendrix did it and it looked good. I'm going to do it. So I went out there and they test you all up and, you know, check your heart and all this shit. And, um, it was the first time I really had real surgery. Like I've never yeah, really man. had time in a hospital. Like this yeah, is crazy. So I'm in this small town Bremen in Germany. Yeah, man. I go through fucking, um, all my shit surgery. It went amazing. I instantly felt the pain free after I came out of surgery. It was 45 minute surgery. They cut in through your stomach. Yeah, and, it's an early uh, scar too, yeah. And uh, and they take out the old disc that's beat up and they put this like, I always say it's like an Oreo cookie looking disc yeah. with titanium on top and bottom. And I'm, Did you see the old disc they showed to you? No, I should have like, Ugh, I was so nasty. nervous, man. I like didn't know, like, yeah. I was just like, you know, I, I was in a strange land. And we I lost fucking, crazy weight too. Yeah, crazy. I lost a lot of weight. I was looking fit. And then we were out there touring and we found out that, um, we did the, we found out, we talked to your lady and said, how far is it? We got directions and we told our bus driver, we need to stop in Bremen on the way to our show, we kind of drove out of the way and then we rolled up through this like grassy, woodsy area and we came around <laughs> the corner it was this old looking, looked like a psych ward, cre- creepy old German building and and she planned it so when you walked out, our, we came walking around the corner when a whole entire band rolled up on you. It was awesome. Yeah. Such a great moment. It was a super emotional moment. We got to surprise you out there. It was fucking, yeah, totally. that was awesome. Did the tour. Yeah, that was, I got pictures, man. I still see them, you know, I look at them once in a while. It's yeah. like so, so rad. And that was after my surgery, after yeah. a week of recovery. So I was yeah. just kind of like there. I was talking to people that were just coming in for their surgeries. And then when you guys walked around the corner, I was just like, fuck, man. Such a perfect time. We get to go see you out there. It was a pretty amazing moment. Yeah, it meant so much, man. It meant so much. It still does, you know That's what I mean? awesome. And then that same day, Rusty fired the, the bus driver around the corner in the parking lot. After was he falling asleep on the road or something? Yeah, he was a sketchy, me? sketchy driver and like, that was a fun. I was like, listen, let's go see Luke, and after this, we'll fire him. And after that, Rusty's like, hey, man, it's time for you to go, man. Fired you in the parking lot. Did he get mad or get bummed? Or yeah, he used pretty mad, yeah. But, I mean, he was. we got video of him falling asleep while he was driving and shit, so it's pretty crazy. You can't have a driver falling asleep. No, so then, we'll be, then we'll be getting surgery like you. That fucking happens. Yeah, um, yeah that was a great moment visiting you out yeah. there. Fuck, man. How long are you out there for? Like a month, three weeks? No, no, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, one week One week, kind of in the hospital, pre-surgery, surgery, and then we go to this like hot, like hot, five-star hotel where we have the a nurse come out and check on me. I do shots for my like blood flow, and then yeah. just walk. It was about walking and kind of healing for a week. It's crazy, in, man. In the city of Bremen. It was dope. It was nice. And there's no medical insurance in tattooing, really. No. You just you well, you yourself. Know. Yeah, you get, get your own shit. Yeah, you can get your own shit. Yeah. Um, but That's man. crazy. And then you came back to California. You have a summer town in, which is awesome. Yeah, so I came back to California, and between that surgery and that injury, I had some other shit going on. And then I was going to open a shop with Tim Hendricks. Yep. We were planning on it for a while. Yeah. We were talking about it, and you know, we were looking for a name, looking for a location. And then he, um, 
he ended up having the opportunity to buy Classic where he's at now. It was yeah. a shop where he, I think he might've got his first tat or it's like it's awesome a, where he grew up and yeah. like it was close to his home where his mom was still there. Like he had a lot of I, history there. I love that. It's cool. So I got, I was a little bummed, honestly. But it makes sense. You know, I think he still knows. Uh, he loves you. I know. I love him, man. He's one of the greatest humans. But, but it was, it's, it's a, it was a move that like was important to him. Just like, yeah, he, I, of course, Danny boy buying the house, buying the Danny boy house of paint, shout you out, Danny boy. He bought uh, the Outsiders house from his favorite movie, and he redid the whole entire thing. And now he lives in that town, and he brought so much yeah. equity to that town. And he yeah. bought his favorite house from his favorite movie. It's fucking pretty cool. Out of history. And that's what Tim did. He brought yeah. equity to that shop, who was was already a special shop, and then that town. You know, he's a great human, one of the best tattooers and best people. Hell yeah! So when he went that way, I was living in L.A. for a minute, and Oliver Peck um, gave me gave me true the tattoo. keys to true sick and saying and told me to be there whenever i want and gave me a nice Dope. room in there and was very warm and welcoming so i was working at true a lot and still had this little private thing going down south a little bit yeah and uh wasn't sure if i was going to keep the little private thing and just kind of have like both both worlds because the private thing was close to some friends and some other stuff going on yeah and then uh i ended up breaking up with an ex in la and moving down south a little bit and just kind of really turned my my little private studio into something real special it's really cool it's like this fake like trap door it looks like <laughs> i don't know it looks like it's, it's it's so cool yeah so it's got a bookshelf door and it's hidden yeah. in a warehouse and i like to not tell people the city it's in yeah um, it's in compton um, go ahead. <laughs> um so go ahead kicking it with kendrick um, um so yeah so i've turned it into so it's the summertown inn and it's kind of like just a special little haven it's something different it's for cool tattooing. it's nice and warm good vibes in there yeah and i'm i got i'm close to some friends so i'm not like yeah. totally secluded so I still work at True once in a while, but um, I mostly just am in my private studio grinding. Luckily, luckily, I've built some clientele over the years and people yeah. that people travel to see me. Yeah, so, I'm from LA down there to see it's awesome. Yeah, from 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 far off places. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've rambled. What else? <laughs> no, you do great, man. <laughs> like like now with the tattoo industry and how it is and everything, you feel like it's um, as big as it's big as it's ever been right now. Or you feel like it's leveled out or is it um it's too many tattooers in each city i mean i think every generation of tattooing tattooers think there's too many tattooers yeah um i think that it's probably the biggest it's ever been yeah i think a lot of people are seeing it as an industry and not just like this special secret profession 100 percent. so you got young kids coming in and really looking at it more business minded yeah and uh whereas and, and 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 in a sad way how to exploit it you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, they just don't, they didn't have the hardship and didn't have that hard teaching of like Agreed. How, how. Same thing in music too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not one to sit around and complain. I don't give a fuck. I, I, I don't even half the time consider myself part of the tattoo community. Just, you know, everyone's doing their own thing Yeah. and it's, there's a lot of cattiness and I just never wanted to be a part of it. So I hold on to the good guys. I hold on to the people that are wonderful, like PMA people like Lindsay yeah. Carmichael and yeah, Tim man. and, so many good people across the board, but I, I don't um, throw myself into the culture and complain about where it's going or where it's you know not going. Yeah, but you do you do agree that getting face tattoos and hand tattoos <laughs> first is not really a smart move. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's part of my maybe my stubborn upbringing, but you know two reasons I always say about face tats. Right, it's the rite of passage, which is mm-hmm. a big one, and then you know job stopper. So those are the two reasons that I would say, and one is. You know, rite of passage, you kind of like work your way to these really visible spots. Totally. It's like a, a rite of passage. So, yeah. you know, if you are walking around with your neck and hand tattoos, 
originally you think, oh, fuck, that person's heavily tattooed. Yeah. But now you see someone with their shirt off and they just have their hands and neck. And it's hollow. It's not it's like. It's interesting, It's man. not. They didn't do the path to get there. No. And. Um, it's kind of cheating. I mean, to each their own, you know. To each their own, yeah. But like if someone emails me, hey, I want a hand tattoo. I'm like, cool, man. I'd love to do it. What do you want? Uh, by the way, do you have at least full sleeves or where you at with your like collect, you know. Yeah. Because I like to kind of hold that line. And I think a lot of people are letting it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like that. Like that one. I think it was here in L.A. The girl that got the Drake tattoo Got the Drake on her, Drake forehead, on her forehead, man. man. Like that to me is like the epitome example of a tattooer not doing his job. It's not a tattooer doing his job and just being a. She could have been going through some mental illness for sure. Man. Yeah, because part of a tattooer's job is, you know, it's some small part, save people from themselves. Save yeah. them from, because you hold the power, you're going to ink them for life. Yeah, it's not about money, man. So, but yeah, face tats are all over the place now, man. It makes me like. It's insane. Like, not you see people. I seen pictures of some rapper the other day, had his shirt off, and he just had his neck, his face, and his hands was nothing on his body. And I wonder if they know, you know what I mean? Because, like, I'll. I won't maybe not do it, but I'll do my best to educate them first. Yeah. And be like, this is why, man. Like, this is not cool. Or this is, um, in some circles, you're going to look like a sucker. Mm-hmm. Do you, if you're cool with that. Yeah. And knowing that, like, you're aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like only a quarter of the circle, people are going to look at you and you think you're a, a poser. Yeah. And then, and if that's cool with you, then maybe that's, maybe we'll do it. You yeah. Know, that's cool. But I want you to know that you're not going to look official. Yeah, no, I like that. People used to call it the warp tour bodysuit, or yeah. you're wearing like scarf yeah. and mittens. Yeah, it was crazy when it started happening. I originally you know, like seeing Lil Wayne getting face tats and stuff, and then that 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 became part of hip hop for sure, man. It's an example of where the where like a general culture is, though. It's kind of hollow, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in general, like we used to have to um, answer to the things we did, and yeah. we had to um, prove why we have certain things or yeah. earn, mean, earn that shit. Yeah. So, so show, just showing a neck tat in or the past was like, this guy is heavily tattooed. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, I don't want to no, get on that saying. tip. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not trying yeah. to be like bitter or angry about it. It's just so interesting because we never seen it like that. Just having a tattoo in general was shocking, let alone on your face. And now it's not shocking anymore is the point. Yeah. And now it's, it's, it's normal for so many young kids to be getting face tats and, it's it's yeah. crazy, man. It's just so that you go back to that, like people used to say, "What are you going to do when you're old?" And I always say, "What are you going to do when you're young?" Like if you yeah. got your game tight and you are like got fuck you money or yeah. you got the sick career Trust fund and you're a, a real rock star, then maybe it's cool because yeah. you made it. Respect. But if you're just like think tattooing's cool right now and you get some face tats and some head tats, it's like and, an accessory for some people. Yeah, if you got that accessory but you don't have your game tight, then yeah. maybe you're doing it right. Like Travis, he got his face tatted, but yeah, homeboy's got his game tight. 100%. So ain't nobody saying yeah, shit. Man. Yeah. But if you're like still working, it's like what are you gonna do when you're young, man? Make sure you Yeah. You know, whatever. But you know what Also could, you could get one when you're young and say, like, hey, I'm getting a job stopper now because I'm determined to make it. Yeah. And do something I love. I it's that. also where you can kind of push yourself like Yeah. I'm and getting I, this because I'm never working because I believe in myself and no matter what I do, I'm going to be successful in something else that allows me to have a face tag yeah. that kind of sets you up to like really work hard. Yeah. That's it. I mean, in a that's, sense, you know, push how, yourself. Well, how much time we got? We're killing it, man. Go ahead, man. What are we at right now? Can um, you say? Yeah. What's up? Keep, keep, fuck, we'll, no, keep talking, okay. bro. Keep rocking. What are we going to say? I don't know. I just, don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I feel like I've talked too much, but I no, mean, man. Um, what else? What else? Do you see yourself being a dad? You want to be a dad someday? I do, man, but it's a touchy subject. I got a lot of work to do to be stable enough to kind of like try to push for that. Yeah. Because. Um, You'd be good dad though. I mean, right now I'm not, 
I've been worried about it a lot, and I'm getting a little older. So yeah, I'm trying not to worry about. It. I'm trying to live now. He's turned forty. Happy fortieth! Thank you, thank you. That was a fun party. It was awesome. I'm trying to be fit for forty. I never seen Luke uh, drunk before. I've known him for a million years. <laughs> I've seen him buzz a little bit. He was so cute and so drunk at his birthday party. Man, it was just so. I've never seen that. It was so fun, man. I get a real huggy and appreciative yeah. for sure. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. You're, I don't you're like hugging, huggy drug. <laughs> I don't Wait, drunk huggy. Wait, I don't know. Whatever. You don't see me drunk much ever. You know what no, I mean? Because I've never been the kind of person to. I can't act a fool, man. I never had anybody to like, like back me up if I go to jail or you yeah, know do yeah, something yeah. stupid. Like, I, yeah. So I've kept myself, and also now, I mean, I, um, I don't know. I got a lot of good influences that aren't big drinkers. So yeah. like you and yeah. Brian Talbert and like a lot of my straight edge family. Can I say that? If yeah, I'm not man. straight edge, I, I feel yeah, like I'm. A, I've been a part of. 100% you've inspired the, by it yeah. yeah yeah so um but my my idea with my 40th was i really wanted to be surrounded by um some of the friends i've made over the years even though i kind of live in an area in a town where i don't have a lot of my close friends there yeah but i've made amazing friends from the east to west coast out of the country totally so i invited all my like wonderful friends and people i really loved and respected and i mean 100 100 of my my the best came out and support yeah. and supported me and then you get like this it's like when you have a party at your house and you're too busy working to enjoy it. Yeah. I kind of wanted to be a little buzz so I wouldn't stress out about not giving every friend the right Attention. amount of time. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of be in it. And for me, I was in a safe place with a lot of great friends. So I, yeah, I drank a little it couple cool, extras, though. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. It was awesome, man. Shout out to, to my girlfriend and her, her parents for, it, for putting that party amazing, together man. And, and making that 40 so memorable. It was, was amazing. So dude. much love, man. Yeah, man. Good vibes Bobby out there. Bobby Hundreds out there and, and Ryan Hurley and Good Rusty. Crew, man. And yeah, man. Mackie and Moon Mizzle, Max Mizzle. So many Hendrix. wonderful. Yeah. Brian, it was good vibes, man. And uh, Anthony flew out. That was nice. Yeah, young, young Anthony, good man. Good peeps, man. Action, not words. He's great. Yeah, man. Um, so anyway, that's, yeah. You don't see me drunk months, much, maybe once a year or something. I try to keep it cool. I never yeah. act a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Even though when I'm drunk, I'm not that foolish. Yeah. Just, you know, get loving. And I, li- I like how you also have fashion in your shit, too. It's like not just about tattoos. like... You post you you post selfies and you post pictures yourself like dressed up to the nine doing cool things and doing different events with tattooing. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I've I've not um, just being in one little like bubble of it, you know. So you've I mean you've inspired me in so many ways as a friend and and one of the things is just like the way you speak at schools to kids. Yeah, like being a quiet introvert growing up and kind of like just watching you and 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 learning through you through that yeah i had an opportunity to speak at a high school in long island that's right and went and um kind of opened up this world of being able to like talk it's way different talking in in a whole crowd than yeah i don't know like i'm not as nervous as i thought i would be you know what i mean yeah but part of my whole shit is just do things that would scare me and and face my fear type shit so totally did the school as an art uh a graduating art class at a school in long island and uh that led me to a friend of mine inviting me to speak in Austria in a big ass convention. It's fucking spoke. awesome. Remember you did that, man. Yeah. And I, I think I called you a bunch yeah, asking you yeah. about it because I was nervous. You know? Yeah, that's huge. And um, yeah, so I don't know where I'm going with that, but just, you know. How many places you speak at already? Only only like three. Still cool though. It's nerve wracking, but once you do it, it feels great right after. It feels awesome. For someone like me and to, to like be full of South self-doubt like do i have some shit to really say <laughs> i'm like that too i'm very insecure when i go up on stage i usually have to go to the bathroom and stuff but once i'm up there i feel feeling my element but i always get nervous about the crowd or this and that i worry too much about little things but then you're once so you do it, you feel good you're so natural up there man but thank you man you what wouldn't else? know if i'm shitting my pants <laughs> you know? 
um, which well, my point was um, one of the things I spoke about was just kind of saying yes to opportunity. Yeah. Like I put together this like little deck of like things. It was like a self-made story kind of thing. Yeah. And um, saying yes to opportunity in tattooing in my personal life have led me to do some crazy cool shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never like had a manager to get me work or do all this other shit. You know, I'm, I'm a tattooer. That's my main thing. But I mean, I've had these crazy opportunities to work with like Armez and mm-hmm. fucking Chevy and like crazy shit that like yeah. I never would have thought of. But I also, you think that would have happened if there wasn't TV shows showing that tattoos are okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it the, opened the doors for so many things you don't think about, man. Yeah. You know. So, part of it is just for me is just saying yes to that shit. Like, yeah. you know, not being not complaining about who's doing it, but being the guy that's doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. So I've been fortunate enough to say yes to some cool shit and I got a bunch of cool shit coming. It's awesome. I I feel like social media has actually helped tattoo in a way too because now you don't have to go look at a portfolio and go to some tattoo shop. Now your shit's online. You can just go through, type in somebody's name you like and check out their shit. Dude, it's, I mean, it's kept me afloat. Like I'm in a secret shop in the middle Mm -hmm. of fucking nowhere in a warehouse and people come in from all over because of that. So that's your resumes. Everything's up online. You see everything you've done. I don't fill it with tats. I mean, I try to balance it with my no, life and tats, but yeah. um, for me, like even with art, like I like to know the person behind the art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like there's gray tattooers that just put only tattoo pa- pictures up and I don't know who they are, what they look like, what they're about. And for me, that's, I don't know. I'm just, that's just not my stilo. Like I want to, yeah. for me, I want to know what the person is about, what mm-hmm. he's like a little bit, not just the tats. Yeah. So I've kind of done done that with my shit like I'm, yeah. i put a little bit more of my life in there and i'm a little bit more personal not just awesome. the tats but, no i love that um yeah man but uh what else i think we talked about a lot of good shit we covered your whole life we covered like growing <laughs> up we covered tattooing we covered the tv shows covered lag covered um traveling man but uh, but let me go back to pma let's, let's do it go back I, to because i love it, yeah. that shit right let's do it brother so let's let's just kind of talk about that for a minute getting getting that tattooed yes f- you know i always like to when i do pma tattoos on people like cause yeah. after you tattooed me with it i feel like it kind of built this little energy and i, feel I love like that i end up doing it on a lot of people Fuck yeah um i like to tell a little story about it like how i found out about it mm-hmm. through you yeah. through bad brains yeah through my, uh, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. Yeah, man. Think and grow rich. Yeah, man. And I like so I like to tell my story of PMA through that. And um, who asked? Someone asked today about NMA. Dom is like, is there such thing as that or something? I think the real ignorant misconception about PMA and people that push it is that they're just goofy, happy all the time, or so they like are like that. Yeah. So it's. I just want to like let's talk about that for a sec. Like, it's a it's a. It's an idea, right? To to turn a negative situation into a positive. It's a hundred percent. It's a it's a struggle every day. It's, it's when a struggle. It's perfect. Yeah, it's not like we're fucking happy dudes. I don't wake up skipping <laughs> through my backyard like everything's great. Life is wonderful. Yeah. I got flowers in my hand like a fucking yeah. stay free tampon commercial running through a field. It's not like that. Obviously, I'm happy. I get to do what I love. I have an awesome wife and kid. But the world's fucked up, and the president's fucked up. There's all kinds of negative energy. But if you focus on your shit, spread positive messages, exercise, do something to clear your mind every day, and focus on the good shit you have, that's what it is to me. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, like it's a constant reminder. Like my tattoo is a constant reminder to think positive through something. Hundred percent. That's why I mean, me, you all got middle fingers. Yeah. Me, who are that? Me, Rappaport, uh, CM Punk. Yeah, I got that middle finger. So, like, before you flick somebody off, think about it. Is it really worth it to get in an argument or have some road rage over somebody you fucking 
not turning fast enough for you and flipping on them and look at your finger like okay just keep it positive man. it's not fucking worth it people, yeah, I think, people think, think, don't think before they use their i think it's a guard on your consciousness totally you know what i mean yeah like it's a guard on your consciousness to kind of put out that positive positivity you know and i you put it out that comes back to you tenfold you put out yeah. negative energy it comes back bite you in the ass 100 percent. i feel like anytime i'm with you when we're out it's just like there's a force field of going out. It's a magnetic you know I mean? force. Like yeah. it's, today it's, was sick. Yeah, yeah it was exactly cool. like today. You know, like yeah, it's good vibes. You just it's just fucking it's magnetic, bro. So I love. Right, it. I think the people that make fun of it, um, obviously they're, you know, they, they're dealing with their own shit, and if they maybe just focus on the bright things in life, they'll be better for yeah. them. I feel like um, I don't know. I don't see how I don't see how people can hate on somebody that's positive and, and somebody that's happy and having a good life. Obviously, they could be jealous, but. Um, so, it's so it's, it takes more energy to be negative and bitter and jealous and hate than it does to, like to be love and positive. You know what I mean? Be compassionate. So let me take this moment to say like how much I appreciate you as a friend. Thank you, bro. I you love you, I mean, man. let's give PMA for a second. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I know a lot of people. I sit down with tons of people. We, we, we've traveled. We, we do all kinds of shit. Totally. I'm sitting with clients all day long for the last 20 years. You're one of the best people I ever met, man. Thank you, man. I mean, uh, you know. Thank the you, most positive, you. the best friend. Thank you, man. Like, like the awareness of friendship, the consciousness, and uh, I just want to give you a shout out on your podcast. Thank, thank you, man. Thank you. I love you. Thank <laughs> I mean, you. I feel like a lot of people share that sentiment. You know what I mean? But uh, thank you, man. I want to, I want to, want you to know that I see that, and uh, I'm I very honored it. by our friendship. Me too, like, brother. Very honored. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm met so, for a reason. It's awesome. I'm so proud when I come to your house and your fucking son gives me a hug and, and is like, what up, uncle? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That to me is like success. That's so, awesome, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you having me. You're part of the family, man. On this podcast. And of yeah. Of course. We get to go. You went to South America <laughs> with us. That was so fun. Yeah, Bogota. Where else you go with us? Did you do a South America tour or no? Um, or the whole thing. Brazil. Was oh, that right. the same tour or yeah, a different yeah, tour? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hopped on a couple of tours. Bogota was cool. Remember when we ran out of the hotel and the guy came out after us and was like, don't go that way. Oh, Just yeah. go this way. Stay on the main path because yeah, be there's some shady shit going on. Yeah, dude. That was cool. And the then show I ended was up great. tattooing at some weird little shop. You did. so dope. You did. That was a <laughs> I real... think it was one show we did there or something maybe. Brian was with us too. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. What, what city was that Had one? you take your shirt off on stage. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was dope. It, it was, was a big so crowd, great. huh? Yeah, man. It was awesome. You were towering over people. It was awesome. And then Bogota was dope, man. Yeah, man. Great but shows over there. That was like the most energy... I mean, I've been to a few shows now, yeah. like a good amount, but yeah. Bogota was pretty gnarly. There was dudes like hanging off the ra- rafters, it was legit, crazy, man. packed. It looked like the prison cell, like American me, like everybody hanging <laughs> it off It really did, shit. dude. <laughs> so amazing, man. So inspiring. That's when you were doing like hand plants upstairs before you went on stage. Handstand things, yeah, handstand yeah, yeah. things, yeah. Fuck, are you working on those again? <laughs> I don't even yoga, those power, those power uh, handstands. Um, um, what else, man? I think we got it all. Cover a lot of shit, man. More than most, more than most podcasts. I've done a few. This is yeah, just, deep. just having a conversation. I don't want this to feel like it's questions or there's any kind of agenda. We're just talking shit, reminiscing, and I'm talking to people who inspire me and they're friends in my life. And I have all the people on this podcast who have touched my life in a way and you've touched my life in a way. What tattoos have I done on you? Um, you did your initials on me. Thanks, man. Did the Jay Z on me? Did you tattoo me? Oh, you do. My yeah, PMA. Man. What am I talking about? Did the self made on my shoulders? I love that. Yeah. Um, did some writing on me did a bunch of shit did on that me, cover man. up with the rose that was just kind oh of yeah rough area you get you know what i was always bummed you gave dan smith a lot of nice areas on your body like the thighs <laughs> like nice white pieces <laughs> and you gave me like some shitty cover-up areas Sorry, so bud. the white skin on my <laughs> maybe not as good of a friend as i thought be quiet <laughs> there was something up with that ink too i got all fucked up that was crazy what? no remember the original the rose had fucked up remember Fuck, that was crazy man. yeah 
We had some other shit on my body that we did on me too on the sides. Just, we did some oh, other yeah. on the ribs over here too. Did, did, did Jay-Z's people ever see those hands? Yeah, yeah. Just recently, this on Rock Nation, <laughs> my people, Jay Brownie saw the hands. It was cool. That's tight. The Jay-Z Nas tattoo. Um, the lag tattoo, yeah. Yeah. So the, some of the important ones. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you, all the stuff you've, you've done in your life and you accomplished and proud of you. You came a long way through all your life growing up and, you know, parents in and out of your life and not being there and struggles in the streets and all that, man. And That's, now you're here and you're alive. You look great. This guy's a handsome motherfucker, <laughs> never going bald. Um, good smile. He's training now, eating better now. He's on some, like, trying to be on some plant-based shit. Yeah, Respect. I, I, I tap into it. You know, I'm trying to, yeah. to, to secretly do it. I don't want to, like, promote it if I'm not really about it, but, you know, whenever I can, I'll try to eat yeah. vegan and plant-based. Yeah, just trying to work it out, man. Trying to do good. I miss you up here at Runyon Canyon, man. You're part of the Runyon crew, man. OG Runyon, OG Soul Cycle Pixie Crew. Everywhere, man. OG <laughs> Backyard Bowls, every oh, restaurant, yeah. Beverly Hills Juice. Crossroad Crew. Yeah, we used to be neighbors. We were down the street. It was crazy, man. Yeah, that was great. And I did see you a lot. A lot of yeah, times yeah. you live by somebody. I drive by a house now. I get sad when I head to town. Oh, Luke used to live there. I told that yeah. somebody else the other day. I go, Luke used to live there. Oh, Christina, I showed her that. It was oh, cool. Oh, sick. Um, Shout out Christina. She's, she's awesome. Dope. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for your time, Luke, and I'm glad we recorded this one correctly. It sounds wonderful. You sound wonderful. You look wonderful. I'll do it again if we need to. Um, look at, at Luke Westman for Instagram and Twitter. Um, Lost Art of the Gentleman on Instagram. Yeah. Anything else you're promoting? No, nah, man. Just love and positivity. Exactly, like you, bro. man. Fuck yeah. We're promoting this love and inspiration and yeah, man. crew love, all kinds of crew tats we have and all that shit. We got like five <laughs> crew tats. We got Breaking Bad tats. We got That's right. Live Your Dash tats. Oh, yeah. oh, why do you just talk about that real quick? We saw this movie, Into the Abyss. <laughs> and it was a really fucked up, insane movie about some murder and all this crazy shit. And it was like a whole bunch of us in the theater. And um, we got inspired by this one moment where the guy was talking about the dash on your gravestone. So mine would say 1970 dash to whenever I die. And that dash means your life. And, and so it's called live your dash. And that's what everybody's doing right now. We're all living our dashes. We're living that line in between birth and death. So we thought that was super inspiring. We all got LYD tats and LYD crew. Yeah. Pretty awesome, man. That was cool. I put uh, CM Punk down on yeah, man. right here in this room. Yeah, man. Yeah. They all got a bunch of shit. I wonder if it fell out. Fingers are tough. Fingers are tough. <laughs> But yeah, the LYD, man, Live Your Dash, checked it out. I'm into the best fucked up movie, but a really good point we get out of that. Just I hate one that movie, thing. don't watch it. <laughs> but, but the Live Your Dash, it, it's really fucking cool that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, we, we took something We got something super that. positive from the yeah, movie. We took something yeah. negative, made it positive. Glass is half full. Live Your Dash, people, and thanks for listening. And um, we'll have a part two one day. We'll just break down just all hip-hop, like East Coast versus West Coast. I'm Biggie, he's Tupac. Um, but I anyway, have, you love East Coast shit, too. But I have a Tupac tat. You have a Biggie tat. Hell yeah, I have two Biggie tats. Fuck yeah. Damn. I like Tupac too, though. Yeah. But we, we'll get into that. Maybe we do like a hip hop thing where we have like a. <laughs> we get rap report on here for three way of like, you know, Freestyle. rap battles and shit. Yeah. All right, man. Love you, Luke. Thank you. Love you too. This is awesome. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.